Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, Masha just already uh, broke everything open for us with this whole thing of fear. Um, uh, We were talking last week about the scripture, about diving into the scripture. And one of the reasons we dive into the scripture is because our emotions, anybody found your emotions are maybe not the most reliable indicator of reality? Three of us? I'll wait. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, seriously, this is a very important revelation. But who here can forget that? And you're like, my body says everything's going horrible. We must be dying. Right? Anybody done that? Like run around screaming? No? Nobody? Okay, good, good. All right, so here's the deal. This is one of the reasons why we're in the Word is because it confounds and confronts our feelings. Before they bear fruit in full death. Okay? And so one of the things, we talked about this last week, whenever we are struggling with something, whatever somebody's flipping out in the Bible, what does God say over and over again in the Bible? Fear not. And why does he say fear not? Because we're afraid. Because we're scared. Because we're... But I've said this last week, men, any of you tried that with your wives? Don't worry about it. Why are you so worried? I just saw some like twitching, some like uh, PTSD. What happens when you tell somebody don't worry? They, they proceed to provide you with clinical uh, judicial evidence of why it is a good idea to worry. Who are my people? Nobody? Come on, do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, if you really understood how we're going to die, I would, right? Okay, good, just blink twice. So here's the thing, but, but Jesus doubles down and he takes it a step further. If you flip over to Matthew 6, we're going to be there today. That's where we're going to live. Matthew chapter 6. If you've got Bibles, open them to Matthew 6. And here's, I want to recommend... I, I really tried for a while to do electronic Bible, and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't getting into my heart. You know, we talked about this. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's this thing about getting the word inside you, and they've done studies, and when you read something electronically, your brain actually doesn't absorb it. Because our brains tend to see it as a position on the page, and when the position on the page changes, whether a Kindle or on your device, you can't remember it. You remember how to find it, but you don't remember it. And so I'd really recommend you. I, I was on electronic for a while, and I had to go back to the, the written for that reason. So Matthew, I love what he says. He goes, Jesus says, Matthew six twenty five. Therefore, I tell you, not just not don't fear, but do not worry. What is worry? Fear light, right? Fear light. Do not worry about, well, it's just a few things. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what, you know, whether you starve or not, or drink, or about your body, your health, or whether you'll be naked or not, what you will wear. I don't know. That's pretty all-inclusive. Don't worry about those things. How dare you? How dare you? Right? Now, 
I want to say a couple things before we get, we're going to get into this, but if I am reading a passage and now we're going to believe that what the Bible says is true. Can we start with that point? But anybody read something and you know, it's true, but it doesn't have any ability to change you. Anybody, you read a scripture like, that's probably true, but I have no idea what that means. I have no idea how that could be true in my life. Would anybody like to be free of anxiety and worry? Well, then perhaps in this verse is the gateway to that. Would that be worth finding out? I think I've already triggered everybody. Fear not. Fear not. We were like, oh gosh, I don't want to go into fear. I spent all my time avoiding my fears, right? So if I were to find out, I want to tell you, there's, there's two real simple ways to discover if I, there's a verse and, they, and I don't understand it in a way that it can change my heart. One thing I can do is I can do what? If I don't understand a verse, what's one thing I can do right away? I can ask Holy Spirit, what does it mean? What's the second thing I can do? Read around it in context, in context. If you read a verse and it doesn't make sense, read it in context. And here's, and then listen with Holy Spirit as you read, okay? So let me start with this. Worry, worry. So, okay, he, he, Jesus said life. Well, let's just ask this. What are some things that we worry about, big scale, like, or other people worry about? Finance. Finance. <laughs> Finance. Okay, what else? Children. Children. Health. Health. Death. Death. Uh-huh, what else? Employment. Employment. Job. Things we cannot control. Uh, yeah, uh, things outside of our, uh, let's see, yeah, the uncontrollable. We'll just throw that on there. Uh, let's see, finance, children, health, jobs. Uh, can I just throw relationships, friendships? Yeah, yeah. Some of you, I'm just going to out you. You, when you heard about the women's weekend, you're like, I really want to go, but it scares me. Why? It's uncontrollable and there are relationships, right? Okay, so let's just start with that. That's a good place to start. I think that that covers about 98% of worry items. I mean, so finance, children, health, jobs, uncontrollable, relationship. Jesus says, do not worry. Be- What's that? The unknown. the unknown. Yeah, uncontrollable and unknown. Yeah, because you, you can't control what you don't know, right? Um, and uh, Jesus says, How, why should you worry? You can't by worrying add one day to your life. You, it's not helpful. I say, yeah, Masha said, that's not very helpful right? In fact, science will tell you actually by worry, you remove days from your life. It's a proven fact. Worry and fear are the biggest things that kill your immune system. So if you're worrying about your health, you're shooting your health in the foot. (laughs) That's why anybody had a friend who's just blissfully unaware and they just, you're like, what? You don't even know what you could die from and you don't seem to care. What is wrong with you, right? The, the disciples, Jesus, we're going to die in this boat. Jesus is like, this is a great waterbed experience. I don't know. I'm having a great time, right? Uh, anybody here, you, you were offended by other people's lack of worry? Okay, let me change it up. Let, forget about that. 
Anybody here, you found out what somebody else was worried about and you were like, that's pathetic. (laughs) But what you're worried about, that's important. (laughs) And that's justified, right? Okay, good, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. This is really important because this is the stuff Jesus says don't be worried about. How could he say that? So we have two choices right now and I'm gonna be really blunt. Either Jesus is a liar. Or there is a way. I'm really, I'm going to hold this line really hard. Because this is actually the whole point of Matthew 5, 6, 7, and 8. It is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus does this horrific thing. See, um... The Jews, they, they had this opportunity to have a relationship with God. We talked about this, Exodus 20. Come up here, we don't have a relationship. They're like, no, we, you, are, you scare us. We're talking about fear of the Lord. There is an unhealthy fear of the Lord. They feared him, so they stayed away from him. Let me tell you this. The true fear of the Lord says, I choose to listen to you over all these things. What you say, I trust. Listen. Anybody have somebody in your life that when you're losing your mind, they go, stop it, listen to me. And you can listen to them. That means you fear what they say, their perspective, the relationship you have with them more than you fear these things. They feared him though and moved away from him. They feared why? They feared for their lives. And so they said, we don't want to tell us what we have to do. And so what did God give them? He gave them 613 rules. Now, who are my people? When you get a, um, a board game or a video game or anything, you immediately read the instructions and you figure out how to game the system. You know what I'm talking about. You immediately figure out what is the class of character that has the most power and is going to get the most done for the least amount of effort. Who are my people? Like you read the tax code that way. You're like, <laughs> right? Secret power. Okay, here's the deal. That was them. They're like, tell us how to game life. And he said, oh, it's really easy. There's just 613 rules. But you know what? They tried for a thousand years to keep those 613 rules. How well did they do? So they came back and they said, this time, after coming back from exile, they said, this time, we're going to keep them all. In order to keep them, we're going to create a hedge around that of another 600 rules, and then a hedge around that, and another 600 rules, and really about 2,000 plus rules we're going to use to keep, to game the system. And Jesus said, well done. Well done. He said, actually, if your righteousness does not exceed that of these guys, the Pharisees, then you're not getting into heaven. They're like, get in line, folks, right behind me. And he said, and then he turned to the Pharisees and said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. The 2,000 rules, you've cleaned the outside, but the inside of you is dead. All of their gaming the system didn't actually change their hearts. Anybody here, you do the right thing, but you're still gripped by fear? Jesus says, do not worry. Right? He says to them, they go, they go, I have never committed adultery. He said, have you looked at a woman lustfully? Then you've committed adultery. I can't control what goes on inside me. I'm barely controlling what happens outside me. And what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is trying to tell them, you cannot do this on your own. That's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. 
So when Jesus gives me a command I cannot do, the worst thing I could do is try to game the system to try to figure out how I can do it on my own. I had a friend. He decided he couldn't do the whole Bible, so he would just do the red letters. And he tried to be obedient to the red letters. He became the most depressed person I've ever seen. You cannot do it on your own. That's the whole point. You cannot. Jesus is inviting us to another way. And that is the entire point of this passage. So if we're going to understand it, if we're going to understand how we can live free of fear in these areas, let's go ahead and look at the passage, okay? All right, pull out your Bibles. Chapter, let's, let's go back. Uh, let's start with uh, just about a chapter before. Ver, uh, chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Have you never heard of boundaries, Jesus? Okay, who's here's triggered? Who here is triggered? You should be triggered at this point. Do not resist an evil person. Then what am... Who here, when you see evil happening, what is your automatic reaction? Fight it or flight. Fear or rage, which are both forms of fear. Fear. I have to control it. I have to fight it. I have to dominate it. I have to control it. I have to protect myself. What does he say? He says, but I tell you, don't resist evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one to them. Some of you are already bowed up. You're bowed up on Jesus. Don't get it right. I, I'm reading the words of Jesus. You're bowed up on Jesus. Take it up with Jesus. I'm trying to break something in you because if you think you understand it, you don't. If it doesn't break you, you don't. If you can bring it down to the level of your understanding, you don't. Stay with me. We need to have a question to get an answer. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well? What did Jesus say we don't need to worry about? Our clothes. Well, that's easy for you to say. Is this creating a question for you? Please, just do me a favor. For the next 20 minutes, hold a question. If you can do that, okay? If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. In the, in the, in the ancient world, in uh, Rome, the Romans had the ability to tell any non-Roman, carry my stuff for a mile. And he said, if they ask you to do one, oh, no, no, don't let me do two. Oh, you want to sue me for that? Let me bless you with that. Now, I've known people who tried to live that out in their own strength. How do you think that went? Anybody here, you're a pleaser, and you tried this in your own strength? What happens to you? You get chewed up and spit out, don't you? You become completely used and abused. That's not what he's talking about. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense. But I tell you, love your enemies. And it's not, that. by the way, love is not in quotation marks. What does he say? Greater love has no man than what? To lay down his life for his friends. So he's saying, love your enemies. Lay down your life for your enemies? I'm confused. And pray for those who persecute you. 
that you may be what? Children of your Father in heaven. Now, one of the biggest ways that we can understand what God is talking about in a passage is is repetition. Parents, why do you repeat yourself? Huh? They don't listen? Get it in their head? Right? Because you, you repeat what is important, right? So listen when he repeats himself. Children of your Father in heaven, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God is generous to all, not based upon their whether they deserve it or not. What do we do? We have a ranking system, don't we? Right? He sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you a head start. This word reward keeps showing up over and over again. So if I see a word, and Masha, we, I, we were t- reading this yesterday by the pool, and she says, what does reward mean? That's a good question. I don't know about you, but when I sign up for something, right, and they say you're going to get a reward, what do I want to know? What is it, right? So what's the reward? I thought, well, what is the reward? I mean, I, I want to know what the reward is. Uh, you know, and I've known people who have read this, and we're going to talk a little later. It talks about giving and it talks about fasting. It promises a reward. And who here, you're like feeding the, you know, the tickets into the Chuck E. Cheese machine, hoping to get a, a big reward. Anybody here, you gave to other people expecting a reward? Nobody? Gaming the system? Okay. The interesting thing is that reward, that word reward, first place it shows up is Genesis 15, when God is telling Abraham, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am your strong tower. I will protect you in the middle of this land. You've come out into the land of, into the promise. You've followed me. You've obeyed me. You've risked it all. This is amazing. You feel afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm your strong tower and I am your great reward. What's the reward? According to this passage, what's the reward? God is the reward. God is the reward. God, um, how much does that translate into IRS dollars? True? Who here, you try to figure out the exchange rate? How do, I, I, I hear you. Thank you for that, God. That's, that's like getting in a, a Hallmark card. But I, uh, I, need this, I need to cash this out, if that's okay. Can I cash my chips out? You... God's like, congratulations, Abram. You won the everything. You get me. Why does he always say, when he says, fear not, I am with you. This word reward is actually the same word as wages. What are wages? Compensation for work rendered, right? I do X, you give me Y. Now, we're, there's another passage that uses the word wages. Anybody know what it is in Romans? But the wages of sin is death, right? I do, 
The wages of sin, the wages of falling short, the wages of doing it on my own is death. Who's found that to be true? Doing things your way. I did it my way. Right? The wages of sin is death. But he says, your wage is me. Me. Me, me, me. God. We get God. And it says, in him we live and move and have our being. That our life is hidden with Christ in God. That in him we have all things. But who here got tired of waiting for all things and decided to take a shortcut? Right? Fear does that, doesn't it? Anybody here got scared out of your peace? You were like, I trust in you, Lord. Only in you. I'm waiting longer. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And what do we do when, we, when it doesn't happen the way we expect? Okay, somebody else. Somebody else might do this, not you. Blame? What? Get ticked off? Make an Ishmael doubt? Make an Ishmael? Who, who here? Like, you have a plan. And you have a backup plan. The first plan is, okay, God, here's the plan you're going to do for me. Right? When you hear the promise, you immediately figure out how God's going to do it. And when it doesn't happen the way he's going to do it, you have a backup plan. Ishmael. The wages of that is death, right? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in him, life with God, with God. So remember, what did he say would happen if we would, if we would love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute? We would show that we are children of the Father. This is really important. Why? Because there are two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God, if I can, I can figure out how to make a K. Kingdom of God, of God. And there's a kingdom of darkness, right? There's a kingdom of darkness. And now in the kingdom of darkness, the wages are what? Sin and death, Right? And in the kingdom of God, the wages are God. Why is that important? See, in the kingdom of God, you know what makes the difference between a dictatorship and a kingdom? A kingdom is a family business. It's a family. And when he says we are kingdom, we are children of our father, the king, what does that make you and me? Princes, princesses, and heirs. Heirs of what? The kingdom. Jesus says, dear children, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Give you the kingdom. Wow! The give you the kingdom, wherein there is everything you need for life and godliness. Why? Through knowing him. You become heirs of God. If you read on through this passage of five, of five and six, you will see over and over again, this plays out. He says it over and over again, this phrase of your father. That's where he says, let me teach you how to pray. Our father who art in heaven. Not God out there, our father, our dad. Why? Because you've been brought into the family of God for God to care for your needs. But you guys remember how that prayer starts with? He says, our father who is where? 
Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy. You are my daddy, but you're so much different than me. You are so different. You are so much better. You are righteous. You are holy. You are hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This is how we're supposed to pray to get our needs met. Anybody notice a problem with the first part of the prayer? What's it focused on? Heaven, your kingdom, and your will. Your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. So here's the deal. I'm, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. The whole reason I came to you, God, was to get my needs met. Anybody been in a relationship with someone and that was the basis of the relationship? I come to you, you meet my needs, and then I meet yours. How does that work? How does that work very well? Just fine. Just fine. You meet my... I love you, you love me. I'll tell you, John, and then I have to kill you. True? Right? Sorry, that's too real. No, the thing is, he says, no, I choose to make priority. Your kingdom be done. Your will be done. And then, then what has he said? Then he says, give us what? Today our daily bread. But the IRS bill isn't due for a month or two. And I'm really worried about it. What kind of bread? Today's bread. Today's issue. Who here gets called, pulled out of the present into a future of imminent doom? You know where there is zero grace? The future. You know why you can't find God in the future? Because he's right here. What is his name? My name is Yahweh, the God. He, I am. Not over there. Right here. There is grace for you today, not tomorrow. Oh, but what about the future? He'll said, each day has enough trouble of its own. I'll meet you in tomorrow. I'll meet you in tomorrow. I'll meet you in tomorrow. But, 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 how do I know he cares? I love this thing he says. He says, when you pray, do not babble on like the pagans do, thinking they'll be heard by their many words. Anybody here, you're a little concerned that God doesn't really understand your needs? I mean, just blink twice if you know what I mean. You're like, but perhaps you don't really grasp my needs. My needs for, what are some things that I need? Food. Food. Clothing. Clothing. Love. Love. Bills paid. Acceptance. Acceptance. Who here, you in your heart of hearts feel like, I'm not sure he really cares? True? You know how we know we don't believe he really cares? Fear. Fear is the worship. Fear is worship. When I worship, oh my gosh, I don't think he really cares about this. I don't think he's really going to protect me. I really think he's going to leave me hanging out to dry. I think this. I think that. What I'm saying is I don't trust him. I don't really believe that he is good. I don't believe he's really for me. I don't really believe that he cares about my needs. In fact, he says, don't listen. Why don't you babble on like the pagans do? Because your father knows what you need before you ask. Do you trust that he actually has your best in mind? Do you trust that he is really for you? The thing about it is, is we are either we live in the kingdom of God. And so here's the deal. If you are a prince in the kingdom of God, 
Whose stuff do you have? It all belongs to the king, right? Now, you guys remember, God, Jesus gave us the best example of this in the story of the prodigal son. You guys remember the story? Two brothers, right? One brother said, Dad, I don't trust you. I don't want you. I don't think you want me to have fun. I don't think you... Uh, give me my stuff. I wish you were dead. Just give me your, my stuff. I don't want to wait for you to die. I, I just want my stuff now. And what did he do? He ran off. And what did he do with it? Blew it all, right? And then did he like his life? No. But he said, I'll go back. Maybe I can get a job working for my dad. And the father welcomes him back, not as a slave, but as a son. Says, welcome, come in. Let me clothe you. Let me clean you off. Let me, let's throw a party. It's incredible. But there was another son, wasn't there? The other son. Where, where is the other son? Working. Where? In the field. Where's the father? He's in the house. I submit to you, both sons left the father. One son, though, was trying to game the system. So I feel like, um, like Peter, you and I have been hashing this out a lot, and I feel like, just when I invite you, like, I feel like we're not there at all, but there's just so much revelation coming through this, this picture, um, that there is only two systems, right? There's only two systems. There is a system of absolute, absolutely limitless, right? Limitless resource. Can you write that down? This is limitless resource. This is limitless money, power, energy, Why is it limitless? Life. Why, is it Why limitless? do you guys think it's limitless? Right? God. Like how no much limit. electricity is available through light, those light bulbs? As much as comes you know, from that wall, right? Because it's connected to the bigger source. It's connected to a reality outside of itself. How much, how much power is an unplugged lamp? It's it, not because it's not flowing, right? If you've got like an LED light and you unplug it, what happens to the light bulb? Mm-hmm. It goes so, down slow. So this, this whole space is limitless. We can plug in here and there is a limitless flow, right? This space is very limited. In this space, we have to work to protect and promote ourselves, right? So this system, this system of fear is about self-protection and self-promotion. This system where Jesus talks, that's where the Sermon of the Mount and just all of that stuff comes in, is this system we don't protect ourselves and we don't promote ourselves. Who does this sound crazy to? Like, it sounds crazy to me. <laughs> does it sound crazy to you, like, to start living a life and start, like, processing stuff without self-protection? So, like, be honest. Like, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, no, like, I don't want this. Right? Fear feels so natural. <laughs> it's so natural, right? It sounds like right? wisdom. It sounds like wisdom. I'm trained in this. I'm trained in this system. I'm good at this. Like, I have lived, I've learned to survive, thank you very much, right? I've learned how to, how to work this system. It's horrible. I'm worried all the time. I am just trying to plan out my, but... At least I have control. It, oh, well, not really, but... Not but. really, right? Think about it, right? 
I mean, there's an illusion of control. Well, at least I have my health insurance. Well... Unless they don't pay. Unless they don't pay. Unless I get a disease they can't treat, right? So I'm out of control, right? So I can work this system to an extent, but it has very severe limitations, right? It falls short and it produces death. Well, and I would submit the place where it really falls apart is relationship. Yeah. Because when I am afraid of you, what do I do? I push away. I isolate. Well, not you. <laughs> oh, of course not me. Of course not. No, no. When I'm afraid of you, I judge you. I accuse. Yeah. I, I protect myself. I shove you away. And then what does that do to the relationship? I can't keep Thanks. showing up, right? So it's, but it's natural for this system. I feel like what Jesus is inviting us into, and I don't know how many of us have really crossed over in our thinking into this system of where I don't get to provide for myself. I don't get to protect myself. I don't get to promote myself. I have a father who is taking care of that stuff. And I can just do what? What he tells me to do. Because I am not my own. Come on. Right? It's a different way of thinking. Like, start processing the way you process. Like, start thinking of, like, where it doesn't line up with how... I mean, I'm constantly, like, on daily basis, I've been trying to, like, ask the Lord, like, where am I living out of myself? Like, where am I self-protecting and self-promoting? And where am I really trusting you? And it's like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm in the process. Like, I don't want this to be, a, like, a, a condemnation to anyone or, no. like, accusation. Because, like, I feel like we're all in the process of, yes. of this transference from one kingdom to another. Of, like, okay, Jesus, I'm actually going to start. I'm going to trust you in this thing. Right? Like, I don't trust you everywhere. But, like, right here, I'm going to trust you. And I'm not going to, like, attack in this confrontation. I'm not going to like stay up all night worrying about this bill I have to pay, right? Like, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to let go. I'm going to ask you what you think about my situation. Yeah. And I'm going to take what you say about it. I'm going to hold my heart to the standard of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I can't tell you how many times in the last Mm -hmm. 36 hours, 48 hours, we've been having a conversation. I'm like, okay, let me give you some wisdom, darling. And I realized what's coming out of my heart has the taste of fear. Mm -hmm. Self-protect. I'm sorry, wisdom, right? I'll, I'll, let me protect you from loss. Mm-hmm. Let me. But you know what? We worked with orphans for years, and orphans are the masters of self-protection. Why do you think an orphan is the master of self-protection? Because nobody else protects them, right? They don't so have not a father. Me, not me. Well, who will? Who will protect me? Right. Who will protect me? The amazing thing is watching our daughter. Do you know what my, our daughter never worries about? She doesn't worry about what she will eat. She doesn't worry about what she will wear. She doesn't worry about her housing. She doesn't, even, she doesn't worry about those things. So she is free. She is safe. She is full. But some are like, well, you've got to be responsible. How's that working out for you? The responsibility is crushing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But when I am a child of my father, right? Because see, either I can take full responsibility for my life or I can give, my responsibility can be my ability to respond to my father. See, 
one of the things God says to me all the time about a rise and about our house, about our stuff, he says, Peter, you have two choices. Either you can be the owner. How's that working out for you? Are you the owner of my health, the owner of my relationship, the owner of, of my life, my work, my, my stuff. Well, then it's crushing. But he said, or you can be a child of the king and it's all my stuff. And you are the steward. You're the steward of it. And this is what happened. Do you guys remember what the older brother said? He said, he said, nye, nye, when he got really mad when the father threw a party for the younger son. And what did he say? He said, you wouldn't even give me a goat to have a party with my friends. What was he trying to do? Try to have fun apart from the father. I want to have, take the father's stuff and do it for myself. I've been doing what you said just to get my thing. No, God, what do you have for me? I believe God was throwing a party that his own friends could have been invited to, but he didn't want to go. So, and I want to suggest that this has been the story that's been rolling out since the beginning of the world. Who was the first orphan who kind of set up this system? Adam and Eve. But, but before them. Oh, the enemy. Satan. Right? He's the one that's separated from God and set up this system into which Adam and Eve stepped in. That's why it's a kingdom of darkness, but it's only led by what? A prince. Like, think about it for a minute, right? So it's this whole lens. And this is the lens how we can see the world, right? So if I put my lens of my sunglasses, if I can find them. the world through this lens mm-hmm. it's a kingdom of darkness literally um, I have to take off this lens of seeing the world to step into something else now when I look through the lens of fear what, when, what am I going to see I'm going to see problems I'm going to see Enemies and obstacles. Everywhere I look, all I will see are obstacles, enemies, and problems. Who are my people? That's how you stay safe is by figuring out the problems, figuring out the obstacles. One of the things the Lord keeps telling me, he said, Peter, we would have 10 times less problems if you would quit trying to solve problems. And let me do, and let me guide, and let me direct you. And you would sleep in peace. Though an enemy surround me, I will sleep in perfect peace. I feel like, I feel like uh, Holy Spirit is doing like deep work right now on each, on each heart and mind right now. There is like an invitation to step out of this lens of self, self-generated life, self-reliance, self-protection, self-promotion, which will always fall short of the glory. It will always fall short of the provision. And to step into this place of being fathered, of being adopted, of being like, honey, I got you. Like, stop freaking out. Like, I have you. Every single moment, I have you. Like, I'm carrying you. I'm holding you. I'm your daddy. I'm your father. Let me love you. Let me just unfold this beautiful thing for you 
It's just such a different mindset. And y'all, I'm on the journey of stepping into it like more and more. And I just so pray that all of us together will just start making steps into this different kind of mindset from orphans into sons and daughters, from doing it on our own into just coming into this space where everything is possible. Y'all, in this life, we can only live a very survival, self-protected, meager lives that are not going to be for the kingdom. We have to come in here to live dangerously and to give away and to serve and to lay down our lives and to give financially and to give our time and energy. Like, we're not going to do it in the system of self-preservation. It's just like craziness in this system. Like, you just want to collect everything and, and store it in the bank and just... But Jesus said, <laughs> if you attempt to save your life, you'll do what? Lose it. You will lose it. That's a promise you can bank on. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. If you attempt, (laughs) because if you save yourself, you pull back. You save yourself. You're living from your own self. Let me say this. Let me just say right now, let's just get really, really practical. Listen, so you might be feeling overwhelmed. You might feel like that's impossible. That's too much. How can you ask that of me? Listen, the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is to bring us to this point where you say, I can't. And he goes, good. Now let's start. So the first thing to do, listen, we're going to do be really practical. You want people to close their eyes. Yeah, go, uh, well, no, let me write something first. So <laughs> let me say this. The way you can know you don't have the fruit of the spirit is don't dumb your expectation down to the level of your experience, first of all. So there's three fruits in your heart that I would submit worry, and fear, that's, I'll call that one. Um, another is anger or hatred. And the last one is the desire to isolate, right? So worry, fear, anger, hatred, isolate, or you can put in there, you can put like judge others, you know what I mean? Just, you can put those. So those three things, if you have those things in your heart, in any degree, any degree, any degree, I would submit to you, you and I have a place where we can meet God. We can meet God. And so here's what I want to submit, what it looks like. It's really practical. First of all, don't try to fix your life. That was how we got here in the first place. Some of you are like, all I got is worry, anger, fear, and isolation. (laughs) Okay, don't be afraid. Don't try to fix your life. That's over here. Rather, come over here and say, God, this is what I'm worried about. Just grab the first thing that pops in your mind. This is the person I'm I'm angry at. This is is where I'm wanting to isolate. This is how I'm trying to meet my own needs, whatever it is, okay? So grab onto that one spot. I want you to close your eyes. What's that one thing? Just grab that one thing. Don't take your whole of your life. Don't be overwhelmed. One thing. You got the one thing? Just one thing. Okay. Now, here's the question. Well, first of all, I say, God, please forgive me for trying to meet this need on my own. I repent for trying to do it on my own. It's not working. But God... What do you want me to know about this area? 
What do you think about it? And I need you to grab onto that first thought. It might sound crazy. I want you to imagine yourself um, that you're plugging into the source of limitlessness, into God, the source of unlimited everything, good. And then Jesus, show me what, what this issue, what this thing looks like if I'm plugged in. With all of your resource, with all of your love, with all of your power flowing through me. What does this issue look like out of your abundance? And it's okay to say, but God, how can this be? That's what, that's, what, um, that's what Mary asked. She's like, how can this be? Right? It's okay. And I say, sometimes God will give me ideas about his supernatural ways he could meet those. Doesn't guarantee that's the way. Usually isn't. But it's just to say, look, see, this is what it might look like. I got you. I got you. And sometimes he will call you in that space to do something that's radically going at that fear or at that worry. So just like ask him, Jesus, what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? What do you want me to know? What do you want to do? Don't make it complicated. Don't just stay on target. But some of you, you're still stuck at this point. And it's okay to ask God, God, can I trust you with this? Because I've been in charge of this area my whole life. Not that I've been doing real good at it, but, but God, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want, to step, I want a taste of this kingdom you're offering, this kingdom of love and of life, of limitless resource, limitless opportunities. I don't want to self-protect and distance myself and isolate myself anymore. I want to be known and to know I want to love and be loved. I want to draw near. I want to be able to rest and to sleep. I want to live free of fear. I want to live free of worry. I want to live free of hatred and anger. I want to live a play in the kingdom you've offered. And so as, as bizarre and unimaginably incredible as it may seem, I'm choosing to take this baby step today of trusting you. I feel like, I feel like um, so many of us have partnered with fear and worry to such an extent that there's like almost like a demonic stronghold there. And I feel like as we've just been talking, some of you have just been activated like to the max um, with like anxiety and stuff. So let's just, um, if you are done with it, just, just pray with me right now. Anxiety, fear, worry, just pray out loud if that's you. Just anxiety, fear, fear worry. worry. I break agreement with you right I now. I break agreement with you right now. Ah! You have no power to protect me. You're not my friend anymore. You're not my friend anymore. I command you to get out of me. I command you to get out of me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <sighs> Torment off of people right now in Jesus' name. Anxiety off of people. Out. 
In Jesus' name. Again, I just keep hearing Mm -hmm. this word hatred. For some of you, you've felt it boiling inside of you during this time. If that's you, just simply say, you don't have to yell it, but you can just simply say, hatred, I renounce you right now. You have no hold on me. I reject you and I repent for partnering with you. And Lord, I ask you, in Jesus' name, go and Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit, we just invite you um, to come and fill us. Um, every space that's been emptied right now, we just ask, Lord, that we'll be able to be filled from another source as we're just, um, just plugged in and your life is flowing. You're just washing everything out, all the debris, all the stuff where we just... Um, just been stuck and paralyzed. It's just being washed out. Just physical healing is happening as, um, as this stuff is leaving in Jesus' name. One of the ways you can identify that there's a spirit involved is, is this intense, irrational fear. It's kind of like when you wake up from a dream and there's like a logic. You're like, this dream makes sense. And then you're like, no, it doesn't make any sense. You're having massive, intense emotions right now. That's a sign that there is, that the demonic's at work. So right there, just Jesus. I renounce this. I don't want it anymore. It can't protect me. It's not friendly. Jesus, I command it to go to you to be dealt with. And I ask you to fill me, mm-hmm. to be my source, to be my life. Oh, Jesus. There's some of you right now, you're realizing right now, you've never, this is not a kingdom you've ever joined. <laughs> you've never stepped into. And if that's you, you just want to say, Jesus, I'm tired of doing life on my own. I thank you that you died for me, that I could live in you in this kingdom. And I receive your life in my place, that I could be your son, your daughter, be your heir in your kingdom today. Awesome. If we could have the worship team come up. Listen, the reason why you can rest, the reason why you can trust, the reason why you, you, know, you cannot worry is because you have a heavenly father who is for you, who is for you. And let me tell you, if somebody came at my daughter, do you think, what would I do? I would protect her. I would jump in the gap. And, even, and, and let me tell you, you have a father who's for you. So if you could stand right now, you have a father who's for you. He's paid the ultimate price by his son coming and dying so that you and I could be set free from the power of sin and death in our lives and released into the kingdom of light. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.